Do you love the Mason Vera Payne Show? Then keep listening. It's time for Team MVP. Team MVP is a show about your life, covering everything from movies and games to technology to politics, but not the stuff you hear about in the news. Coming to you from MVP Studios and the WGN Radio Network, Team MVP starts now. Team MVP correspondent Brian Altimer here, live from MVP Studios in Chicago, and thank you for tuning in. Well, last week, the Illinois House and Senate approved to amend the Right of Conscience Act, an act that I understand has been on the books since the 90s. I could be wrong about that, but I do have somebody on the line to explain this to me, and joining me to explain what the act is and the pros and cons of this act is Representative Mary Flowers from the 31st District. Well, first of all, what is the Illinois Healthcare Right of Conscience Act? Because a lot of people you know, don't really know what it is. And it's been in the news here locally and it's been used to for people to kind of refuse taking the uh, COVID-19 vaccine. The purpose of House Senate Bill 1169, sponsored by Robin Gable, it added a new section to the Healthcare Right of Conscious Act to clarify that it is not a violation of the Healthcare Right of Conscious Act to take any measures or impose any requirements intended to prevent the, con- uh, the contraction or the transmission of COVID-19. In practice, this simply means that the Healthcare Right of Conscious Act does not provide a basis for an additional exemption to vaccine mandates by employers beyond those that already exist for medical and religious objections. Right. And and this bill has been on the books uh, since when? It's been on the books for 40 years. So doctors who would not want to perform abortions and or give contraceptives, that was a violation of their rights. And so the Health Care Right of Conscious Act was created for that purpose. And so now when you have people in Illinois that's uh, going to their employers say, hey, you know, I don't want to take the vaccine because, you know, the right of conscience, they cannot do that as of now, correct? They are not supposed to be using the Health Care Right of Conscience Act. Okay. Because, again, this bill was not the original law was to protect for medical and religious purposes for people that was providing procedures dealing with health care. Wow. Procedures dealing with health care, not in the workplace. With uh, Currently, if you try to use this bill, it does not apply to the health care procedures. And employers do have a right to say that you have to wear a hard hat or you have to wear a certain type of uniform or boots. And so if you look at it in that content, that that's all this bill is doing. It's really clarifying the intent of this legislation, that it was for doctors and healthcare providers not to be forced to perform certain healthcare services that's contrary to their belief. And it simply seeks to preserve the clear legislative intent of the healthcare right of conscience that has been established over the last 40 years by making it clear that it should not be used to justify choices 
that jeopardize workplace safety and do not occur within the context of medical procedures or healthcare. If a person is trying to use this outside of procedures for healthcare or medical reasons, it does not apply. And the General Assembly just wanted to make it clear that the intent of the original legislation, it, it is what it is, mm-hmm. and we're not expanding it at all. And we're talking with Representative Mary Flower from the 31st District. One of the things I definitely want to ask you was with Illinois and the Illinois GOP pretty much opposing anything that's put on the floor. Did you guys have a lot of opposition to this? And also, do you see any ramifications of amending this bill? Do you think there'll be problems down the road with amending the Health Care Right of Conscience Act? It was never anyone's intention to amend the Health Care Right of Conscious Act. That was not our intention to make any changes, I should say. We, our intention was not to make any changes. It was merely to make clear what was the original intent of this bill. And the original intent, intent of the bill was to make sure during the time when there was the big debate of Roe v. Wade Doctors complained that, you know, I became a doctor to save lives, not to take lives. So this is against my conscience to perform this abortion and or to give contraceptives. That was the intent of this legislation to protect the people in the healthcare field or deal with healthcare procedures. Okay. And so when the uh, sponsor tried to really make some changes to the bill, She got pushback from both sides of the aisle. And so I commend her for coming up with this clarification. Now, remember, we're the House of Representatives. It's our job to make laws. And so the ultimate decider in that courtroom would be the judge. Right. Again, the intent of the legislation is not to change anything with the Americans with Disability Act. That act still stands. The Civil Rights Act, it still stands. The only purpose for Senate Bill 1169 was to amend the Healthcare Right of Conscious Act to clarify that measures taken to slow down or stop the spread of COVID would not be considered a violation of this act. So if an employer says, I need for you to wear a mask, or I want you to be tested, that is what that employer would need to do to protect himself, his business, as well as the people that's working around it. We were talking with Representative Mary Flowers from the 31st District. This is more on a a personal level, because I have a sister who hasn't been vaccinated. I've been trying to get her vaccinated for the past six months. And she's coming on that pinnacle of having to make a choice of either being vaccinated or having a job. And she's not the only one that's in that type of a position. What do you say to Illinois residents that are basically caught between choosing between their beliefs and their livelihoods? Well, that was part of our discussion, and that was another reason for the pushback. We did not want people 
to have to make those types of choices because you still have to provide a roof over your family's head. You have to take care of yourself. You know, we still have to have our job. And unfortunately, some employers can say that. But I think I just, and please, I don't want to be quoted on this, Mm -hmm. but I think there are certain jobs where it may be mandated, but I'm almost positive there will be an alternative for the testing. So there's a provision that starts in January on the federal level. Okay. And I know for some jobs there are, here in Illinois, there are provisions that uh, would provide the options of testing. So if I was your sister or if I was someone else, I would talk to my employer especially if you think you have a pre-existing condition. Now, I know, and I'm not a doctor, and I'm not going to play one, right. but the fact of the matter is that I would encourage everyone before they go to get vaccinated is to go and talk to their doctors and have their doctors to explain to them the pros and the cons. Two more questions that I want to ask you. It's, it's still on topic here. The CDC approved vaccinations for children five up into 12. I know IDPH director, Dr. Ngozi Ezeke, she was asked yesterday about the possibility of schools requiring kids to be vaccinated just like you know when you have a child and they enter the school they have to have you know their chicken pox and all that you know as far as uh, vaccines do you see that coming down the road maybe a, a few years from now one thing about the previous vaccinations that are required those vaccinations have been around for a long time mm-hmm. And they have been proven to work. This is uh, relatively new. People are concerned because some say that there has not been enough time for the study. A lot of parents are concerned about the ages from 5 to 12. And I would hope that this pandemic passes by. But I would hope that we, there's other things that we could do. And years ago, I introduced a bill, a real simple bill. And it required teachers to allow students to wash their hands Mm -hmm. before they go to lunch. And when you think about polio and other problems that we had in the past, we are better because we've learned a lot. What we knew back then is different than what we know now. And hopefully this... uh, pandemic will teach us what caused this problem and how we could better eliminate it in the future. So hopefully before the children are forced to take this vaccine, that time will pass and we will learn more about it and either the parents will become more comfortable and or they would use their right to object again, because of the Americans with Disability Act and or the Civil Rights Act. All right. And final question. Governor Prisker a few days ago declared gun violence in the state a public health crisis. And me personally, I stay on the south side of Chicago, sometimes see it firsthand. And, you know, the violence has gotten you know, really bad, you know, in downtown Chicago, north side, pretty much anywhere, you know, in you know the, the Chicagoland area. You know, there's been an uptick in crime. What do you think of, of the governor declaring, you know, 
gun violence a, a public health crisis and his solution to dump millions of dollars into social programs to help curb the violence. What do you think of that? I think those dollars could be spent more wisely mm -hmm. if we were to do something about the gun violence. And everybody knew that gun violence was a public health crisis. Everyone knows that racism is a public health crisis. We have to do something about it. We have to create jobs. We have to create educations. We have to create opportunities. Where are the mental health facilities? Where is the access to health care? Where is the equal pay? Where is the equal opportunity? So there's lots of things that we could do, but passing out money is not going to prevent gun violence, nor is it going to intervene. But there's other practices out there that could provide some source of intervention. A mind is a terrible thing to waste. That's exactly what we have been doing for years in regards to our kids in school. I live on the South Side also, and I graduated from Semion back in the 70s, so you do the math. Oh, yeah, and yeah. Back then, when you graduated from high school, you had a diploma, and you could go to a job, and or you can go on to college. So we have to bring back the jobs, the trades, the opportunities and open up the college doors for those who want to go to college. We have to remove the impediment that's in people's way. And that's exactly what has been happening because of racism. Right. And that conversation. Exactly. You cannot have one without the other. And there you have it, Representative Mary Flowers from the 31st District. Thank you so much for joining me. And it was a delightful conversation. Hoping to have you on again. Thank you, Brian. And I enjoyed talking with you as well. Love what you just heard? Team MVP is brought to you by everyone's favorite unabridged millennial, Mason Vera Payne, and WGN Radio Network. Let's be friends. Connect with us at Mason Vera Payne on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Got a question or comment for the show? Email contact at masonverapayne.com. And make sure to check out masonverapayne.com to catch up on what you missed and get fresh content multiple times a week. That's Mason Vera, P A I N E, all one word, dot com.